Omnibus is a production of iHeartRadio. We are Ken Jennings and John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is The Omnibus. accessed entry 152.IS1321, certificate number 37739. Breastorons. <laughs> <laughs> this here is my friend Nick, and today he is turning 15. On the count of three, can we get a big happy birthday? One, two, three, happy birthday! <laughs> I don't think I've ever said that word before. Restaurants? Restaurants. I hadn't really said it until very recently. I don't think it's a very common coinage in our circles. What if What if <laughs> Sinead O'Connor had been like, you could eat your dinner at a fancy restaurant? Would, would that have Would it have sold you? more or less <laughs> uh, on the charts? It's a coinage that I guess once you say it, it makes sense given what it's referring to. What is it referring to? Well, have you ever been to a Hooters restaurant? I have been to Hooters once, but I hasten to add, yes. ironically. Sure, of course. Is that okay? It is possible to attend a Hooters restaurant ironically. We thought it would be fun to go to Hooters ironically. But of course, going to Hooters ironically is indistinguishable from going to Hooters just for the wings and the cleavage. Like, I don't know what would have marked us as ironic. Uh, who, who all was in your party? It was me. It was President-elect Barack Obama. <laughs> it was... Sure. <laughs> Oprah. Oprah. No, this was right. back in college. Tony Hawk. It was me and a bunch of my college roommates and some of the guys from the apartment upstairs. We were celebrating something, but I don't remember what. The end of a semester, maybe Hanukkah. somebody had graduated. Maybe it was Kwanzaa. <laughs> It was Hanukkah. <laughs> Every Purim, we would go <laughs> to Hooters for but, the wings. But you're absolutely right that a group of college men, let's call them, all growing together to Hooters, ironically, would be indistinguishable from a group of college men going to Hooters with the intention of ogling scantily clad waiters. It's pretty on brand for a bunch of white male college students in a flyover state, yeah. which is what I was. Were you guys, I mean, once you were there, were you tittering? Did you avoid uh, eye contact? We were not tittering. How, how did you express your we were giggling. irony? I don't know. Yeah. We, we ordered uh, wings. wings and nachos probably. Right. The wings uh, are their signature dish. There was a lot of like, get a load of this. Yeah. They all have to wear those weird socks or right. like... Look, the eye, like there's stuff you don't notice. Like the eyes on the owl are slightly asymmetrical 
to make them look a little more like boobs, like I boobs. guess. Uh, they're kind of organic in a way that owl eyes are probably not. They're squishy. You know, the word hooters referring to female breasts, I guess, let's call them that. What, is there a better way to describe breasts other than saying female breasts? <laughs> it's true that men have breasts and I would not use hooters for most of them. No, but the word hooters was popularized, if not invented by Steve Martin <gasps> On Saturday Night Live. What a gift. As part he of gave his, us. his whole persona of like, what? So he was doing it ironically too, you know? He was saying jugs and bazongas and all these things that he would never say. Right. And then he, he added Hooters to the Hooters. list. Hooters. Uh, and in fact, the restaurant Hooters, when it was conceived in Atlanta, Georgia in 19, in the very early 80s, like 1983, I think. Wow. Hooters goes back. Yeah, it does. Um... When it was founded in Atlanta, the original group of guys who conceived of the concept. The six cargo shorted guys. Yeah. Fresh from the golf course. <laughs> it was it was incorporated on April 1st, 1983, because they were all completely convinced that it was a bad idea and it was going to fail and it was a prank. Okay, so Steve Martin thinks of the name ironically. Yeah, these, in, the, in these, the late 70s. These six bozos come up with the restaurant ironically. I attend it ironically. Yes. Does anybody mean Hooters? What, so they bought like uh, one of those restaurants kind of out on the edge of town that every new restaurant that opened there failed within right. a couple of months. It's like a death curse. And so the original Hooters actually had like a little fake graveyard with the names of all the restaurants that had occupied that space prior to Hooters. Was this in the lease? You have to keep this little graveyard or did they put it up as a joke? No, they put it up as a joke. The whole thing was, a, was just a gag. What a weird thing. Yeah. Okay, there's going to be cleavage, but first... You have to walk through this Chinese restaurant <laughs> graveyard. Woo! Sorry, Mr. Yangs. Uh, I think completely unexpectedly, but maybe in retrospect, understandably, particularly in um, in its location. You know, and I, I, I guess it functions as a sort of super tame strip club, right? It's like a no nudity. Is uh, that the deal? Christian suburban dads who can't go to the strip club but want to do something with the boys that feels a little on the edge. Is that who's going to Hooters? I imagine, although, um, so the original owners like sold the brand. Uh, it's sold again. It's sold again. And at each new level of incorporation, it became more and more professional. The owners group became more and more professional. Uh, Hooters continued to expand until in... In our own time, there are over 430 Hooters locations worldwide. So if its demographic is just Christian dads that can't go to a strip club, the yeah. world is full what's, of them. What's it doing in Dubai <laughs> and Bangkok and Barcelona? Explain a Hooters to someone who has never been in one, which hopefully includes 100% of the far distant future. Well, or maybe all restaurants <laughs> in the future are Hooters. It's like uh, idiocracy. <laughs> well, and, and it's entirely possible that futurelings are owls and that Hooters take uh, a completely new, different meaning. We them. just made fun of their asymmetrical <laughs> eyes. They're like, Stop. of course my left eye's a little saggy. That's Stop. just how some owls are. Stop being so normative, so oculonormative. <laughs> uh, a Hooters is... A chain restaurant, which, like all chain restaurants, serves a, serves a menu of weird sort of appetizer-based foods, hot, spicy chicken wings. <laughs> appetizer-based foods. <laughs> I, went, I went into a restaurant at one point uh, on tour years and years ago that was down in, you know, South Carolina somewhere. 
and on the menu was some sort of chicken fettuccine. You know, it was a menu that hot wings, nachos, potato skins, onion rings, chicken fettuccine, tacos, you know. And I said to the waitress, is this like an Alfredo or what is this chicken fettuccine? Is it like red sauce? I'm just trying to get a sense of what I'm about to order. And she said, well, I mean, it's a fettuccine-based sauce. <laughs> and I was like, fettuccine-based sauce. Yeah. And she meant Alfredo, right? They, but- they, they've ground up fettuccine pasta <laughs> and put it over the fettuccine. It's like feeding chicken yeah. uh, goop to chickens. So I we think- We use every part of the fettuccine. <laughs> I think that it is a sort of- uh, Yeah. You know, it's very recursive food. <laughs> like you've seen onion rings as an appetizer. Yeah. But what if we made it entree size by deep frying a whole onion? Yeah. This right? is this is appetizer-based cuisine. ABC. Um, always be- Always be- Chewing culinary. up fettuccine. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, my kids are huge snobs about not going to chain restaurants. Uh-huh. And I think it's because there's not a whole lot within the city limits of a city with expensive rent, like Seattle. Well, in Seattle, traditionally, I think excluded a lot of chains by virtue of zoning. There's like redlining yeah. to keep out. Yeah. Like, first we were keeping out minorities, but then we turned our wrath on Applebee's. If you want to go to a Red Lobster, you have to go to Tacoma, Washington. And I don't think that there's a Walmart within Seattle city limits. You have to go to Renton. I mean, there were some covenants that prohibited, uh, like the Broadway business district. There was a Taco Bell grandfathered in for a long time, but I guess there's a subway up there. My problem is that I'm creating this. I'm certainly not taking my kids to Outback or P.F. Chang's even. Well, to people who... But like when they say that, I I feel feel like a terrible person that my kids are like... We can't go to TGI Friday. Yeah, you've, you've turned created them into snobs. Snobs, monsters. Awful. My kids are awful. Uh, to people uh, of the future, or or rather to futurelings of whatever stripe, they may be living in a post-chain restaurant universe. But in our time, it was a kind of an innovation that began in the 1950s where people franchised restaurants so that you had you could have a reliable and dependable similarity between different restaurants as you travel. That's as how you, it is for the diner in, yeah. in new automotive America. Right. You can trust the, the golden arches. You can pull over and know that you're going to get a, a meal of at least predictable quality. And for the company, it's also, it makes income predictable because they no longer are risking anything on a per restaurant basis. They're just... They're landlords, basically. Right. right. They they, own they, the they're a re- McDonald's is a real estate empire. But as time went on, I think more and more people, more and more Christian dads out there driving in their uh, big Buick Skylarks, uh, they said, I don't want to just, you know, I'm doing business out here. I don't want to just pull into a fast food restaurant and eat fries in my car. I'd like to go have a home-cooked meal in a, a restaurant that gives me that feeling of being in grandma's kitchen. I want to sit down. I want a booth. I want a waitress with a beehive. So you got and a, and a notebook, notepad. You got your Denny's. You got your Applebee's. You got and over time, that idea extended to encompass uh, you know a, a dozen or more, maybe dozens of restaurants offering that same service. Bob Evans, Cracker Barrel, uh, some uh, simulacrum. Nice. That, thank you. Nice. Some some simulacrum of home, but out on the cloverleaf 
by the interstate. Home on the cloverleaf. You're a, you're a country western singer now. But then there were additional Christian dads that wanted a little bit more spice on their chicken. Because Hooters is not the appeal of home. You know, Hooters no. is some wish fulfillment home if there was some kind of cleaned up Playboy bunny type bringing you your wings with a low cut t-shirt. Well, so you uh, you bring up the Playboy bunny and this was the Playboy clubs were an early adopter of this idea and maybe the original promulgator of it in the United States. In 1960, the first Playboy club was opened in Chicago by Hugh Hefner. It was a members only club. And your servers and the people that worked in the club, including no less than Gloria Steinem. Uh, <laughs> the odds are you were not going to see Gloria Steinem. I mean, don't go just for that. Right. But She's if, probably not going to be at your table. But she was there at some point. It's not impossible. But a lot, of the, a lot of the employees of the restaurant were actually Playboy bunnies that appeared in the magazine. And they wore bunny ears and a little leotard or I guess a version of a swimsuit with a cotton bunny tail and uh, businessmen and Christian dads could eat steak and ogle and potentially grope their servers. And in the, in right. Cause they're serving liquor, something Hooters did not do until much later. Right. And they, you know, they all wore onions on their belt cause it was the style of the time. The ogling is interesting to me because it's not good manners. You know, really you should be uh, thinking about your meal. You should be talking to the people in front of you. I guess it's equivalent to a sports bar that has a game on, so your pupils keep flicking up to the game. It represented an era in the United States in particular, and potentially that expanded globally, where because of a strange sort of post-war set of conditions, the pure objectification of young women as like ogleable creatures outside of what had prior been any sense of social obligation or mores of decorum and of... Um, we don't do that. We don't have those urges. What if that was your daughter? Right. And this all came out in this... I mean, after the war, there were now... I mean, there'd always been pornography and there had always been sort of clubs where you would go watch dancing girls, including back to you know, the Wild West and our, and the, the Moulin Rouge in France. I mean, this was not a new idea, but it became, and Playboy played a big role in popularizing it and making it democratized, I guess, mm -hmm. and also socially acceptable, more or less. Like to go to the Playboy Club was a sign of affluence and in some ways sophistication because the Playboy Club booked Lenny Bruce and uh, comics that pushed the boundaries, musicians that were pushing boundaries. And uh, even at a time when, you know, uh, individuals might have been very conservative on every axis, you know, you, you have a little carve out to go see can-can dancers, right. for example. Like so something about the fact that it's French maybe or it's in a sp specific spot, I guess. I guess that's the core of it. Like within here, sure, it's traditional. This is how they do business. When in Rome, there's going to be ladies, leggy ladies. Right. Even though, of course, we don't do that elsewhere. But as part of this democratization and, I guess, social, how would you describe it? The smoothing over of what had formerly been a taboo mm -hmm. thing. Uh, it became then basically a format um, if not a franchise, there were playboy clubs were franchised around the world as well, but it started to be a, 
it started to be something that disseminated out into the culture at large. I remember in the 1980s, I guess, I was traveling down in California and outside of Sacramento, I pulled into a little roadside diner that was called Petticoat Junction. And I was just looking for a, you know, a hamburger and a Coke and went in and all the waitresses were all in their 50s and 60s, but they were wearing waitress outfits that had bloomers, ruffly panties that you could see under their, their had little short waitress skirts. Right. And you could see their like ruffly panties. Do they have to be in their 50s and 60s? That's the format? They just all were. <laughs> and I don't know what the original format was. I'm not sure whether this was the original cast of waitresses <laughs> from the 50s that were still working there in the 80s. They had a great ironclad labor contract <laughs> and the format has aged with them. Well, and as everyone aged, as the clientele did and the bosses, they were all like, well, she still got it. It's like when, it's just like the Cousin Oliver thing, you know, except they never brought in Cousin Oliver. The, the siblings all got older. That's right. There never, was a, there never was a charming kid with a bowl haircut that made everything less tolerable. But so Petticoat Junction seemed to me at the time to be a holdover from this earlier, more chaste idea of, I mean, these weren't strip clubs. They were, they were just meant to get your heart racing a little bit. And if you're somebody who's... Why is that good? I don't it's racing with the, with the ruffled panties, I guess, you know, they were like... Very large panties. Let's made entirely of ruffles. I mean, it's not that they were revealing. <laughs> the whole idea seems odd to me. Like I, I, I never sit eating thinking I wish there was a slightly sexual component to this cheeseburger. Well, and you and I are not the target audience because I also, you know, I'm, I, I grew up in in Alaska during a pretty wild time in Alaska's history. What were your, uh, what were your slightly sexualized? A lot, is, are there like uh, ladies in parkas and nothing else well, serving the, your uh, serving your drinks? Within the world of um, sex workers, Alaska during the late seventies and eighties was one of the prime places. As you sort of rotated on the circuit of L.A. strip clubs, and then you'd work your way up to Seattle and out to Edmonton or whatever. I and, didn't know it was clockwise. Uh, in the Northern Hemisphere. In the Northern Hemisphere, right. <laughs> down in, down in, in, in Australia. It starts in Adelaide and it moves. <laughs> but Anchorage was, had a lot of disposable income, a lot of blue collar people who got rich in the oil fields. Um, you know, if you were a welder, you could get a job that paid better than anywhere in the world and you'd get paid in cash. And so Anchorage had notorious and legendary strip clubs. And when I was 16, as some, as a young person who wanted to, experience every aspect of life strip clubs uh my friends and i would sneak into these strip clubs were you underage i don't know what we what, were very underage but i don't know whatever the age was then anchorage in 1983 the doormen were just there to keep shotguns out of the bar you know you'd walk it what we would we would literally pull our baseball hats down over our eyes and that was a sufficient disguise. Yeah, that's what that's what older people do. You just pull your baseball hat down, and then you, as you walk past him, you're like, "Hey, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going?" Hello, fellow middle-aged person. And then we would stand in the back of the room, terrified of being found out or of being confronted, you know, or or uh, even sitting at a table. We didn't have any money either, so you, yeah, you sure, know, sure the dancers loved you. Yeah, when a dancer would come over and be like, "Da na na na," we were you know ashamed. As you should have been. But I realized at that young age that strip clubs were, I didn't understand the logic of it. It didn't seem uh, that that 
kind of titillation served a larger purpose in me personally. It does seem like a restaurant where you go out and they show you a a beautiful lobster bisque or pheasant under glass. And then then they serve you you like, yeah, onion rings. Oh, you don't get to eat it. A blooming (laughs) onion, right? You don't get to eat it. It just sits in (laughs) front of you. You can look at it. You can tip the waiter for having brought it, but you never get to eat it. When it comes to meat, quality makes a huge difference in texture and taste. And even though it might be better for you and the environment, a lot of the higher quality meat you find at the grocery store is just too expensive for most people's budget. Thankfully, there's ButcherBox. ButcherBox believes everyone deserves access to high-quality, humanely sourced meat at an affordable price. That's why each month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of the finest cuts right to your home. Choose from 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage pork, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and sugar and nitrate-free bacon. No antibiotics, no added hormones, just meat the way meat should be. And right now, you can get two pounds of ground beef and two packs of bacon absolutely free plus twenty dollars off your first box when you visit butcherbox.com slash iheart or use the promo code iheart at checkout that's butcherbox.com slash iheart or use the promo code iheart at checkout and as i got older i would go to things as part of the sort of social contract as you and your college friends went to this one Hooters one time because I was a rock musician. I ended up in seedier circumstances, right? I've been to Jumbo's clown room in Los Angeles where Courtney Love used to strip. It's just part of your, it's part of how uh, you get fed it around when you're on tour Mm -hmm. by the sort of cocaine drenched side of the music industry. Everyone assumes you you want to go there. <laughs> but I never did. And I didn't, uh, I, I, and it wasn't that I was judgy. I just didn't understand what the takeaway was. You're absolutely right. It was sort of like, here's a thing that, that is not available. L- let me ask you this. Playboy Club, the last Playboy Club in the U.S. closed down in 1991. Right. Hooters, as I understand it, was going strong through the 90s and until today. I mean, I don't know. Restaurant counts. Um I know the airline didn't work out for them. Do you remember when they had the airline? So there was a Hooters airline (laughs) and it worked out great for them. I mean, initially Hooters airline was like the new Virgin or JetBlue, maybe the (laughs) anti-Virgin. Right. And the Hooters airline actually was a bona fide airline, but it- it, uh, You said bona fide. I did. Boner fied. Woo! Uh, But it served very much the golfing clientele of the- of the Southeast That's United what it was States. for, right? It was for yeah. people going to Myrtle Beach or whatever. You could not get a flight on Hooters Air to <laughs> Seattle or Portland. <laughs> I guess that's why I never flew. Could you not get a ticket if you were a woman? <laughs> no, I mean, it was a popular airline for... And that, that, I think what's amazing about this restaurant concept is that it's popular with women. People take their kids. Yeah, it's a family restaurant, I guess. And, and oriented around the family idea. And maybe this is something that dad likes, but maybe it's... um, But but here's what I don't get. If you just want a homey place like that with simple appetizer-based cuisine and the game on, and you're bringing your kids, there must be other options that are not so cleavage-centric, right? Yes, there are lots, but the presence of scantily clad young women is maybe not as much of a... It's certainly not a deterrent as it would be for me, are you saying it's less of a draw now in an age of just abundant 
No. Scantily clad or unclad women? Not less of a draw. I think it's less of a taboo. And I, 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 People don't even... But here, that's, that's what I'm saying. If people are not even <laughs> noticing, if people are like, oh, yeah, I guess this is the Excuse place me. where the, the waitresses are all wearing push-up bras. Um, if you're not even noticing that, why Hooters? Like, why does it exist? It's not that you're not noticing it. You are. It's just that you're, you don't feel obligated to protect your kids from it. Hmm. So not very long ago, I was driving along with my daughter, who's eight years old, and we were looking for a restaurant. And we saw a restaurant that we'd driven past many times but had never been in called Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> and it was down by uh, the South Center Mall. Is Twin Peaks a chain? It appeared to be a chain. It was a big sort of, uh, you know, these big chain sort of family restaurants are enormous. And they're constructed in a distinctive architectural style. Yeah. Each one has its own style. And they're always surrounded by big parking lots out by the interstate or by malls. The corner of the mall. And so Twin Peaks, it looked like a big lodge, like a mountain lodge. And it had a logo of two mountains that were pointy and more or less equal. One was slightly... Imagine how David Lynch feels, you know, after creating one of the great pieces of art of our time. I assume the restaurant post-dates Twin Peaks, the TV show. So Twin Peaks was founded in 2005 in Dallas, Texas. And it, 15 years after Twin Peaks is already associated with back masking midgets and uh, apple pie and uh, body horror. Right? Yep. This is just, a, I guess the, the name was maybe copyrighted as a media property, but not as a restaurant concept. It's true. It's true. It's very hard to trademark a title in a different field. Twin Peaks was enormously successful in Texas. A lot of these restaurants tend to be founded in Texas. Kerr's Everything's bigger there, John. Let's see. There was There's Bikini's Sports Bar, which was uh, a Texas restaurant that started in 2006. Do you remember the story where the Bikini's guy bought a town? Yeah. And renamed it Bikini's? Named it <laughs> Bikini's the town, right? He, he bought a ghost town somewhere and he was like, this is going to be a destination resort. Uh, he actually trademarked the name Restaurant. Oh. So maybe the reason we haven't heard it is there's no bikinis in our area. Is Ho- like so Hooters could get in trouble for saying that they're a restaurant? Hooters actually sued bikinis. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Hooters sued. Well, Hooters has become fairly uh, litigious around the idea of like the scantily clad girl restaurant concept. They think they invented servers with their... T-shirts are too small? Yeah, they've tried to bust a couple of... Bust. Uh, oh. You said it. Where's my bell? Uh, but Hooters has also been sued a lot. Hooters in particular has been sued by men who have applied for servers jobs and been rejected. And they've sued for discrimination. And Hooters has settled out of court numerous times, uh, these discrimination lawsuits, And as part of that settlement has sort of continuously guaranteed their right to continue to discriminate against men as servers. They hire men as bartenders and barbacks and bus boys and and so forth. But in their settlements have worked around the concept, uh, well, they've they have continued to employ only women as servers. Let's say that. I'm it's not a, sure how. It's, it's an interesting legal question, right? Because I think Hooters is making the claim that they are more like a strip club, that these are their entertainers, and that therefore they deserve what's legally called a bona fide occupational qualification. Right. BFOC. There's no way it's BFOC. B 
BFOQ? I don't know how you say it. BFOQ, they were a great East Coast <laughs> rock band. <laughs> I love BFOQ, man. <laughs> Wait, what's the real? What's the real? NRBQ. NRBQ, right. Uh, well, and this was... Uh, BFOQ is a version of NRBQ that cannot have any female members. Right. Uh, Hooters Air had this issue in a different way, which is that they wanted Hooters girls on the flight. The and pilots had to have a C cup or greater. They kind of advertised <laughs> it as like, get on the flight and you'll be served by Hooters girls. But in fact, a uh, flight attendant is a professional job with professional qualifications. And so they had to employ flight attendants dressed conservatively in, in regular flight attendant is this outfits. A, is this a U.S. regulatory thing? Yeah, because flight attendants thing? are safety agents, right? They're trained to evacuate planes and put out fires and stop people from dying. And they're not there to jiggle. No, they're not. They're there. I mean, serving Cokes and whatnot is a small part of a flight attendant's duties. Uh, so they had Hooter girls on Hooters air, but they just sort of, they got up a couple of times <laughs> just hung out. and they just walked up and down the aisle and kind of flirted with people. And then they had to go put their seatbelts on. And the actual service is being done by, uh, you know, 56 year old women wearing pearls and uh, nice young gay guys and whoever actually is a flight attendant. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's funny. That's right. And uh, people loved working for Hooters Air. Nobody complained. It seemed like a fun gig. I mean, for, if you're a... Uh, you know, you get a BFOQ if you're, um, you know, a school district that wants to say your drivers can't be past a certain age right, or right, right. you're putting out a male fashion catalog and you, you have to say, hey, look, our, our models have to be yeah. men as well. Uh, so it, who, seems, it seems a little dicey for Hooters to claim that their servers have to be. Do they also have like appearance requirements? Like do they ever get sued by women being like, I was fired or not hired because I wouldn't bleach my hair or because I was the wrong body type or. So. Strangely, these restaurants are also popular with uh, television shows like Undercover Boss and hidden, uh, hidden like customer shows. I, which love, were, I love hidden customer. They, I, they ne were, I never miss it. <laughs> Who are you, hidden customer? I don't. I don't know why those shows uh, went through a, a spate of popularity, yeah. but but your Undercover Boss tended to. I mean, it's obvious why they they loved Hooters. I'm like, sure that stops the channel changers yeah. if it's a Hooters and not a P.F. Chang. Yeah, who, well, who cares about undercover boss who goes into his actuarial <laughs> office and is like, these forms, I was reading your tables. and <laughs> Don't you guys love Mr. Gordon, the VP? He seems nice. <laughs> so they would go in and, and if they encountered a, a waitress or a bartender who expressed discontent with her outfit or was wearing less than revealing uh, short shorts. Her shorts weren't short enough. Uh, it was caused to be terminated. So yeah, there are the get around of the servers being entertainers does give them considerable leeway to mm -hmm. pick women that fit a, a profile. Because if you were casting a Broadway show, of course you would be free from from legal action for insisting that this part be played by a redhead or this part has to be a tall guy or all the federal anti-discrimination stuff can't work in entertainment. Right. Uh, so as long as Hooters pretends that the people bringing you your basket of uh, ranch tater tots is an entertainer, well, and let's free and clear. Let's be honest. Um, no one goes to Hooters for the food, I think. Although their hot wings were, were apparently super popular. I've super heard good. lots of people say, oh, the food's good. And I assume that's just because they have to say that or otherwise they say, I'm a middle-aged man who goes there to look at young women leaning over to refill my Diet Coke. Well, so when my little girl pulled into the parking lot of Twin Peaks, 
uh, we got out of the car and marched up and it looked like it was going to be great. And we walked in the front door and there was a, you know, a greeting station and there were four young women behind the counter with headset microphones. And it was a bustling restaurant full, like it, uh, walking in, it wasn't clear we were going to get a table. Mm. And, uh, we looked at the little menu that was there that looked like it had every kind of, I mean, you know, a higher caliber of calamari and uh, right. fish tacos, yeah, fettuccine based sauce. Uh, and so as we stood there kind of, and they took our name and then she and I stood and kind of surveyed the room. And all of a sudden I realized that I'm in a restaurant. This, I'm in a restaurant. Like the, the servers are wearing skimpy, skimpy, Northwest style yeah, clothes. Yeah, I was about to ask, is it like lederhosen? <laughs> no, it's it's like plaid flannel shirts. They all but, look like the cheerleaders and smells like Teen Spirit. Yeah, exactly. They're 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 basically bras, but they're but they're tied on they're tied flannel, under there. Yeah, and they have some kind of REI style uh, little cargo mini mini shorts. And I stood there like. Bow, wow, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Because you're like, how did I not know this place, which yeah, like, combines all my interests, ex- <laughs> exists just 20 minutes from my house. Yeah, and up on stage, it was Josie and the Pussycats. I was like, <laughs> where has this been all my life? No, but as I looked around the room, the tables were all full of families, mom, dad, the kids. There were tables of business people, but many, many, many. There was grandma there with tables with four or five kids, and they were all it wasn't a biker bar. You know, it was a nice restaurant. Uh, my daughter and I, she don't, I don't think ever picked up on it. You know, she, she's eight and she's very interested in, in fashion. And so intrigued by their outfits, but the concept of a restaurant didn't occur to her. And I said, Hey, sweetie, why don't we go to, and named some, uh, you know, another a, a place, you know, she yeah, likes. like, let's go to red Robin instead. And she was like, great. Uh, and we hightailed it out of there. Hightailed. Uh, it's not the Playboy Club. They've probably seen that before. They've probably seen the look of fear in some dad's eyes who realizes the place is not sufficiently progressive or right. on the other side of the spectrum, a little uh, uh, raunchy, a little a little racy, a it little was, blue. It wasn't raunchy at all, which is the amazing thing. It was a little racy. Sorry, I didn't mean to. I hate the word raunchy so much. I yeah. apologize. Uh, and racy in a super wholesome way, but it did, right that kind of old timey racy that that people like. It does raise the question: How is this demographic so broad, and how is it so clean? It feels so clean. I guess they have to, right? They they have to keep it like just scrupulously squeaky clean in order, you know, because anything that shades a little bit. Um, seamy or sketchy in any way is, is going to give a, a, a sketchy strip club vibe, right? Right. So it's got to be even more freshly scrubbed than any other diner in your neighborhood where people are just wearing normal clothes. Well, so as this concept expanded, right, there's a, there's a chain called Tilted Kilt <laughs> where it's like an Irish... <laughs> what does that even mean? Irish pub themed or like... Finally. S- Scottish You know what pub? turns me on is when a kilt is <laughs> tilted. Oh, baby. Boy, I'm like the wolf in a Tex Avery cartoon. But it's the same, uh, almost the same uniform except instead of uh, cargo shorts, they're wearing, obviously, like matching kilt and, and bra. The only thing I like about these places are kind of the freshly scrubbed breast puns. Yeah, did, right. Did you see the movie Support the Girls that came out last year? No. It's a it's kind of a day in the life of what one of these places might be like. And the restaurant in it is 
called a double whammy. Mm. But they're very worried because the big chain, the Hooters type chain is moving in next door and it's called Man Cave. <laughs> so, so all the girls at, at double whammies are super worried about Big Bad Man Cave moving in. Well, one of the popular chains in this genre uh, kind of gives it away a little bit. It's called Redneck Heaven. Mm. And it, I guess, points a little bit of a of a a bolder finger at exactly like what the coming to what the game is. It's also a bold theological statement to assume that when rednecks die, when rednecks die, they, they go to a they, they go, go to, to a place where somebody with a D cup is serving them potato skins. I think that might actually be redneck heaven. You know, there's the <laughs> the door of the General Lee is mounted on the wall, and and uh, there's like unironic use of the Confederate flag and and Daisy Dukes. Right, the, that's what we call short shorts. Is Daisy Dukes. It makes it seem like fun Americana for somebody to wear clothes that are too small. What's Redneck Hell then? Uh, Redneck Hell? Sushi bar? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sushi bar, you bring up an interesting uh, sort of adjunct to this, which is that in Japan, this style of restaurant is uh, not in the exact style, but in a very Japanese modification of it. Uh, is extremely popular. Now, there's a long history, of course, of geisha service in Japan. And there's a a style of sushi restaurant that some say dates back to the samurai times, which is called Nyotai Mori. And it is a restaurant where, uh, and Nyotai Mori means body sushi. It's a restaurant where you are served sushi on the naked body of a geisha. And it's a very, like, it's a very scripted and detailed set of rules and expectations of how you behave in this restaurant. I would imagine. I mean, you don't want a chopstick going awry. No, but also the woman laying naked there covered with sushi is not meant to be spoken to. She does not speak. Um, the sushi doesn't touch her. Does it's, this make it better or worse from the woke point of view? <laughs> like that the woman doesn't speak. Well, it's, <laughs> you know, it's an ancient Japanese tradition that's meant to be celebratory and to show your power, right? I mean, that's what it's really all yeah, about. I mean, really, this guy grandfathered in. Just because it's old doesn't make it awesome. Well, no, people yell about it a lot in Japan. Is that right? It's um, like bullfighting. There's a, the young people are like, we shouldn't do this anymore. Well, I think, you, you know, probably like young... Uh, what are Japanese gangsters called? Uh, Yakuza. Yakuza. Young Yakuza probably think it's pretty killer. There's actually a movie that came out pretty recently called Sushi Girl uh, in 2012, where the fact that the woman lying there naked covered with sushi, it's one of those like My Dinner with Andre movies <laughs> where the whole thing just happens. <laughs> My Dinner with Andre, but it's a three-hander because yeah. the, there's a lady in the middle. <laughs> the whole thing, and, and it's a gangster movie, but the whole thing kind of takes place there in the sushi restaurant. And the fact that she doesn't speak while these gangsters transact all this business plays a role in the plot. And I won't give away, I'm not a spoiler Thank of, goodness. Of, of films like Sushi Girl, but you know, it is still, it's still a device. But do you think it's like a, is it like Hooters in Japan? People just bring in their kids? No, that is a, I think a very rarefied environment, the neo-taimori. But uh, there is a kind of sexual uh, I guess we don't use the word perversion anymore, but a sexual diversion, a, a, a part of BDSNM, which to futurelings means bondage, discipline, sadomasochism, uh, which is called fornophilia, 
which is human furniture as part of a dominant and submissive role-playing. So your submissive would... Pretend to be an Ottoman? Pretend to be an Ottoman. Pretend to be a... Coffee table. Coffee table. And you would put your drinks on them and conduct your afternoon. Use a coaster for crying out loud. Well, that, and that, in the, in the Nyotomori sushi restaurants, they're very careful not to put fish directly on human skin. You know, there's always some sort of little bit of a paper or something. But fornophilia is increasingly popular as a way of role-playing this sort of like you are, you are submissive and a nothing and I'm going to put my feet up on you and, and put my drink on your head. Have you always wanted to learn to play an instrument? Maybe you've even tried at some point but gave up because you felt lessons were too expensive or that you just didn't have the time. Thankfully, there's Musician. Musician is the fun, easy, and affordable way to learn guitar, piano, bass, ukulele, and even singing. Just download the app to your desktop, tablet, or phone and start playing. Musician gives you 24-7 access to a vast catalog of video lessons from professionally trained educators, as well as thousands of exercises and songs across dozens of music genres, all tailored to your goals. And with Musician's award-winning technology that listens to you play, you'll get real-time feedback on timing and accuracy so you can actually see yourself improving as you learn. Start your extended 14-day free trial of Musician's Premium Plus package at musician.com start. That's unlimited access to thousands of lessons, exercises, and songs on as many instruments as you want for two whole weeks. Just go to musician.com slash start. That's Y-O-U-S-I-C-I-A-N dot com slash start. Do you think there's some element of that at Hooters? Are we like, my wife never uh, cares to please me as much as these girls who will laugh at all my jokes and... Uh, Lean over suggestively and well, in tickle J- my bald spot. In Japan, there's another class of restaurant which really puts this sort of puts interrogating this right on the table, which is called the maid cafe, where you go to the restaurant and the waitress is all dressed like maids, like, French like maids, French maids, but French maid sort of uh, very short skirt. Sure, and, I, I under when you say French maid, I do not picture an actual <laughs> French maid. You know, some some nice woman from. Uh, Sierra Leone, who's cleaning your Airbnb. <laughs> On behalf of Futurelinks, I'm trying to describe it as like, this is, uh, this is a revealing costume. This is costume. a made-up movie thing with a very short skirt and a decolletage and a dust, uh, what do you call it? A feather duster. A feather duster. And it became a trope in Japanese manga cartoons uh, and hentai and so forth, where uh, the maid, the French maid, just really resonated with consumers of uh, Japanese porn comics. And these restaurants feature uh, waitresses and also their butler cafes. For the ladies? For the ladies. And you are treated as the master of the house. You know, you're welcomed like, oh, welcome home, master. And they kind of, you know, they're extremely solicitous. And um, How come we don't have hooters for, uh, for ladies? Well, I know. How, oh, come, how come women can't go to chestnuts? Well, there, there have been a series of restaurants for women uh, one in particular was called Tallywhackers, uh, but they don't <laughs> franchise as easily and they tend not to survive for long. I mean, you probably get a mostly gay clientele, which is fun, right? but maybe not what they intended. It was, you know, this was all presaged by that scene in Bachelor Party, uh, the Tom Hanks comedy vehicle of the 1980s, where it was, it was like a Chippendales, but they served... They serve food. That's another plot point, but I won't. I won't spoil that film for you either. Can I ask? Like, I, can we spend some time looking at these places from the point of view of the servers themselves? Like, 
if you're a woman who, Let's who say. works at, for example, yeah. we, since we have spent the rest of the time considering these places from the point of view of the male diner or the sneering or male the, non-diner. Or the families who sure. attend. Or the delightful families that go after church. Typically. What's it like to work there? I mean, is it just awful to have to have these guys kind of leer at you after they've had too many drinks? I mean, there are lots of sort of expose or, exper- you know, um, experiential reportage from did, did these Did Barbara places. Ehrenreich go to work at a Hooters for a week to, yeah, I, I, to get to the bottom of this? I'm sure there's quite a bit of that and quite a bit of like stunt uh, employment where people want to go and get to the bottom of it. Yeah, for, remember when George Plimpton did it? When George Plimpton yeah, worked at that's a, right. a Hooters that's right. for the week? He worked as, a, worked as a Hooters and he was wearing, he was wearing his football <laughs> costume from Yale. That was what was so weird about it. <laughs> the tips are so low. <laughs> but um, my sense from researching it is that the lion's share of the servers uh, really enjoy the job and don't feel especially vulnerable or vulnerable. I mean, they're, again, they are family working environments um, and they're explicitly excluding in most of these restaurants, you're not allowed to touch the server. So it isn't, you don't feel um, at all that the, the predatory nature of it is gone and the, the ogling nature of it is foregrounded but I think, at least in my experience, having been to one Hooters, which was here in Seattle. And been to a Twin Peaks for 30 seconds. And for 30 seconds in a Twin Peaks. The social compact is retained in that I think if you were there as a bunch of drunks and were like, whoa, show us your more of your ankle. I'm uh, sure that's what the drunks would say. You'd be rolled out of there because they're trying very much to keep it just as like slightly hotter than a Cracker Barrel. And so... <laughs> Uh, so the, that's what I'm going to put on my Tinder. Slightly hotter than than a cracker barrel. But so the ogling is still happening sort of side eye, um, here in the Which is as it should be. Yeah. Take your kids there and teach them to learn how to. Yeah. Look at them out of the side Respectfully. Well, and the thing about side eyed ogling is it's, it's own part of the titillation is that you're not right. quite allowed no, to sit. No, we're not going to talk about this, yeah. but like holy mom cow. and grandma and the kids are here with me. So I'm going to... Here in Seattle, there's a, a closely related phenomenon, which is... I was wondering if we were going to get to the bikini the, baristas. Bikini baristas I knew it. of Seattle. In the, is this Seattle only? Does the rest of the world not know about our invention? So bikini baristas were invented here in Seattle. Uh, in early 2000s. We're geniuses. Early. Just like the 747, just like Clippy, everything great comes out of Seattle. Uh, the first version of it was a was an espresso. So uh, for people not familiar with it, there are a lot of drive-through espresso stands, which are just often sitting out in the middle of a dirt parking lot somewhere. There used to be a snappy photo yeah, 30 it's, years ago. Exactly, <laughs> just a, a little drive-up uh, kiosk that has windows on both sides and you can pull up and the, the barista opens the window and fills your, your espresso needs. Uh, we're, we're consumers of a, of a tremendous amount of espresso here. Right. And in, uh, in, the, in the early 2000s, a, a, uh, one of these little espresso stands called Nate Latte, and it's spelled N-A-T-T-E. Not, doesn't doesn't nate, quite work. Nate but. Latte. No, it doesn't quite. But the, uh, the baristas there were wearing, uh, their uniform was little pink cowboy hats and pink leather hot pants. And that was the innovation of the, of the owner of that particular espresso stand, who was a woman. It's and, hard to think of someone you have less interaction with than the person filling your drive-through order. Except you, there is a, it is an opportunity, a pretty brief 
opportunity to do some flirtatious chatting. Right? You come up and you're like, hey. That is not how I use Wendy's, John. <coughs> I feel like you're not using Wendy's appropriately. Well, the thing about Wendy's is that the you place your order in the clown. You, <laughs> you talk to the clown and then you pull around. Whereas the espresso, because it's sort of, right. it's an isolated environment. Nobody's watching you. You're safe in your car. And from the perspective of the barista, you are also, to her, safe in your car. And she's interacting with you through a sliding glass window that can be locked and so forth. So it is a little bit like a, um, it's like a peep show. Uh, you know, the old-fashioned <laughs> right. peep show where the you put a quarter in and the, and the window opened. Except here, it's the amount of time needed to make an Americano or whatever. Right. Uh, so then, uh, then that idea was expanded upon by Cowgirls Expressa here in, in Tukwila, where they were kind of wearing smaller outfits. And then there was a... Why do they all have to be Western-themed? Well, that's, that's a, the only fetish in Seattle? It's a big part of, of how we see each other. Uh, we're all like hardy Western <laughs> cowboys pioneers. cowboys and cowgirls. Uh, but it was like a, a super hot summer... Oh, yeah. Uh, and, I like how this story's starting. Dear and, Penthouse Forum. <laughs> I, didn't, I was invited into my boss's kitchen <laughs> to help her frost the cake. <laughs> Little did I know. Um, and, and so they started Bikini Wednesdays, and they saw their sales double or treble on Wednesdays. Wait, what so, were they wearing before? Oh, smaller outfits, but not all the way to bikinis. Okay. You know, just like, it's summer, we're wearing short shorts. but uh, and, tip, and tips went up, I assume. Tips went up, and they could charge more for espresso. That's the thing. And so Bikini Wednesdays turned into Bikini All the Days, and many, many other barista shops followed suit. And now... Different themes, yeah. a lot of them. Uh, golf wear, coal miners, the Third Reich. That's right. <laughs> That's right. There's a furry community where they're just wearing animal heads. Just a head. Yeah. Uh, there's, the, there's hand solos where they're all just dressed like hand solo. Is it hand solo? Uh, hand solo. That would be funnier. Oh, boo. Oh, wait. You, you, were, you were enjoying it for a second, and then you figured it out. I just started to And your enjoyment went way down. Now, in, the, in our region, if you pull up to an espresso stand, if you're, like, driving along and thinking, I'd like a coffee, and you, you see one, and they're mm -hmm. everywhere, and you're like, I'll stop here. Uh, the, the number that aren't bikini, it's the, they're rarer really? to find. You're going to get an Eiffel where every, I guess, not drinking coffee... And not looking at breasts. My, the two things I always avoid, coffee and breasts. I had no idea. So I'm really shy and ashamed to pull up to a bikini espresso place. I just don't. It's just not for me. I don't know. And the, the few times that I've pulled up to a place and didn't get the double entendre of the name. Oh, I love the double entendre. <laughs> What's that? An extra shot of hazelnut? Yeah, or like uh, breasticles or I don't know what they all are. Oh, I thought you ordered the double entendre. Uh, no, the names, the names right. are in it, right? Butterfly or something. Hey, there was a place by where we used to live that was called, it was a, one of these espresso kiosks, but it was called like Cowgirls or something yeah. or Easy Riders. It had a cowboy theme. But the funny thing is it was not a bikini place that predated the whole craze. Aww. They just had had a Western Aww. theme forever. And so people were, I think, getting mad. Yes. Because they'd pull up and there'd be a fully clothed, you know, a guy named Chet making their drink. And so they had to put up a sign saying family friendly, which yes. nominally was to encourage families to come, but really was to say, don't get pissed off at us when this person is wearing a normal amount of clothing. Yeah. And I think that the, that espresso stands now are increasingly saying family friendly. I, I had the experience, I was recording in a studio and I said to them like, where do I get an espresso? And they were like, oh, down at the corner. And I walked down to this drive up window and I, there wasn't an inside place. And so I stood 
in line. I've done this. Did you make car noises? There was a pickup truck in front of me, a pickup truck behind me, a pickup truck behind him, and I'm just standing there. (laughs) And I walk up to the window, and the window is high, and the the barista is standing on a platform because all of her customers are in pickup trucks. And so (laughs) I'm standing there basically with my nose on the sill. You're below sedan height. And then I realize she's in lingerie. I mean, not a bikini. She's fully in like a little see-through teddy and so forth. Pinoir. And I was like, oh, no. One of well, these. I'm here. And she can immediately tell that I'm not part of the game. So I was just like, double Americano. And she just goes to work and makes it. And Does she not make it in her usual sexy way? She, no. she didn't flounce? No, because I'm, I'm just like, so where'd you go to college? <laughs> and she handed it to me and it was $8 and it was the worst Americano I'd ever had in my life. And I was like, wow, this is just further emphasizes this is not my scene. Is that true at Hooters? Do you pay a premium for the experience? I, you can must. They, can they charge $15 for wings that should have been 11 You must. I mean, it, that must be part of the business uh, of the game. Some of these barista places got busted. They were doing a little, they were stirring a little more than the coffee. So there were, there were quite a few sort of prostitution or solicitation busts in the, in the Northwest at one point. Different communities, Everett and Linwood, were trying to crack down on, on this proliferation of bikini espresso stands. But then quite a few of those busts ended up being clear instances of entrapment. Oh, the cops were just like, hey, baby. And then there were a couple of cops that turned out were regulars at these places and had been like going there for for a long time and tipping heavily. And then I don't know what happened. Got a beef. Somebody wouldn't go out with them yeah. after after their shift and suddenly. So uh, so most of those lawsuits and, and the ones that did make it through were declared unconstitutional because again the entertainment i mean you you're not a barista you're an entertainer in those situations well i feel bad that for casting aspersions on the fine employees of of brew my bean or or whatever these places are called i would be remiss in uh in not mentioning that in 2015 at a twin peaks which uh that twin peaks also became a pretty large and successful chain uh, in Waco, Texas, there was an incident at the Twin Peaks there, which the franchise owner or the the franchisers of Twin Peaks had been having a lot of problems with this particular Twin Peaks restaurant in Waco. It's going off the grid. And Waco, Twin Peaks, was, you know, was uh, was on the radar of the police and so forth as a place that bad things were happening. And on this particular day, uh, the police were there in the parking lot to monitor events because there was a gathering of biker gangs at this Waco. Uh, Members of the Banditos and the Cossacks were having some sort of, you know, they're competitive gangs. Are those real names? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. They were having a, some sort of summit and a third biker gang who was not invited and had not made a peace pact showed up and somebody, you know, insulted somebody in the men's room. Somebody ran over somebody's foot with a tire and a gunfight broke out, uh, a gunfight in which nine people were killed, 18 people were injured, 170 bikers were arrested. Some, there's some suggestion that of the nine people killed, some of them were killed by police because they were in an active gunfight with police in the parking lot. And at the end of the event, the police impounded 135 motorcycles from the parking lot. And it was a major event, and the and Twin Peaks corporate, 
then rescinded the uh, franchise rights for this group, and that that restaurant has since closed. It's uh, that restaurant is now <laughs> nothing but a mammary. You want to say something angry? It's not that I'm mad. I'm just I'm just disappointed. <laughs> and that concludes restaurants. Entry 152.IS1321, certificate number 37739, in the omnibus. Listeners, we don't know if cleavage-based cuisine is still a phenomenon in your time. Presumably you laugh at the innocence and ignorance of us in the past, but things were even worse than that. We had something called social media in our time, and although it ruined nearly uh, every uh, institution and relationship in our society... We stuck it out. We, we spent hours and hours a day on this awful, awful thing. John and I, for example, were at John Roderick and at Ken Jennings on Twitter. John was uh, also on Instagram. That's how in deep he was. Uh, we were also at Omnibus Project, jointly, on all these social media platforms. Uh, we did use Facebook for the one good thing it ever did, which is give rise to a delightful group of uh, aficionados called the Futurelings. Look up the Futurelings on Facebook if you want to hang out and discuss the uh, events of this week's episode and see what see what Hooter stories they all have to share. Uh, you can email us at theomnibusproject at gmail.com uh, if uh, Postal service is a thing in your area. You can actually send us physical, tangible items that we can touch and play with to the Omnibus Project, P.O. Box 55744, Shoreline, Washington, 98155. I just went to the mailbox earlier, and John and I have been enjoying some of the items that we were sent. We have so many cool things here. A, uh, a yoga instructor has crocheted for us something we mentioned on the show a couple weeks ago, which is the thing on the back of Grandma's toilet where... You put a Barbie doll in a roll of toilet paper and have a lovely knitted uh, petticoat, I guess. Yeah. She made us pink and orange, which were perfect. Ken took the pink and I I took the orange. I immediately grabbed it. One thing I found out about these, it's not a full uh, Barbie doll. Oh. She didn't include a roll of toilet paper. I had to put it on this roll of toilet paper. But it's actually a doll that's, I don't know what this is even for. Oh. It has no legs. It's just a torso. Oh. You could have kept the legs and put them in, but I, but I see that. Do you think she, works do you think fine. she pulled this off of an existing doll that now has no legs or like, is there some reason why someone would want a nude nippleless Barbie? That's then like a, 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 a satay skewer yeah. on her nether regions. I don't know. idea. Maybe you're, maybe you're meant to put it, stick it on top of a Thanksgiving Turkey. <laughs> yeah. It's like turkey cozy. You put it in the sandwich at Hooters instead of the, all, green olive on the... You can't see the sandwich. Green it's olive under on the, the toothpaste. You, you have to lift up her skirt. I also made the mistake of requesting... So thank you, Jennifer. These are delightful and will be on the back of our toilets. Yeah. Uh, so I, I requested people send me fruitcakes, and so far the only thing I've received is this copy of Jimmy Buffett's 1994 album, Fruitcakes, with a picture of Jimmy Buffett on the back, very much looking like he just walked out <laughs> of, a, of a Hooters. <laughs> there he is. Hey, I forgot one other time I was at a Hooters. I was speaking at a thing outside Fort Lauderdale, and it was at a Hard Rock Casino, and there was a Hooters there. And I never ate at the Hooters, but I got up to speak to these uh, this Florida attorneys group. And I said, "This is I'm very excited to be with you here in Florida. This is the most Florida thing I've ever seen. It's a Hard Rock with a Hooters inside it. What could be more Florida than that? 
to dead silence. Wow, nobody liked Crickets. it. Crickets. Nobody in Florida wanted to hear Florida jokes. Wow. Yikes. Uh, I get I, this. I went to a hotel one time that had a surf shop in the middle of it. <laughs> like uh, in the lobby? Yeah, and there was a there was a tank with a with a shark in it. There was a cafe inside the shark inside the surf shop. In the cafe, there was a tank with a live shark in it, and then that was all inside the hotel. So that when you, but it was an inner courtyard in the hotel. So when you opened your window to your room, you looked down on the surf shop that had a cafe. Yeah, I've been here. This is a, it's the Double Tree in Wichita, Kansas. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, there was not. I forgot to mention in our show a similar thing: the Sip and Dip in Great Falls, Montana which has famously a tiki bar where it's below the level of the hotel swimming pool and has a big window. So you can look up? You can look into the swimming pool at people swimming from the bar, and they have now hired women to swim in mermaid Mermaid costumes, costumes, like in Coral Gables, Florida in the 20s? Finally, a chance to see who's actually peeing in the pool, right? right. Like, usually you don't have the right angle. Get that that kid! Uh, what else did we, I did the, we did not do the shirts. Oh no, tell about the shirts. This is urgent because these shirts will only be available for a week and a half. Urgent. Uh, I hope somehow you're getting this message during the, you know, two week window when we finally have these shirts available from Cotton Bureau. Uh, there are two designs. They look fantastic. Yes, they do. They're beautiful. There's a black shirt that with the omnibus logo on it. These both come in hoodie form as well. Uh, they come in all sizes. You can get an undersized one and work in an omnibus-themed restaurant. Uh, there's also a navy shirt that says Futureling with some different kinds of Futureling appendages. We apologize if your particular appendage is not illustrated or if, in fact, you have too many limbs to fit in one of these shirts. We encourage you to modify them to match your particular kind of uh, arthropodal mm-hmm, exoskeleton, mm-hmm. your carapace, if you will. So if you're interested in one of these fine items... Uh, make sure you go to cottonbureau.com. How do you spell bureau, John? B-E-A-U-R-E-A-U. Don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> go to Cotton Bureau, just like John said, except spelled differently and correctly and with fewer vowels. Cottonbureau.com slash people slash omnibus. You can see these delightful shirts and become a proud omnibus booster in whatever your uh, era or epoch. Uh, Futurelings, from our vantage point in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization survived. There's no reason it would. We hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come, although we know it's looming. Why, why we're doing this whole thing. If the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may be our final word. But if Providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.